Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. We're here on Turkey Day for the Thanksgiving Day special episode. Up bright and early in the morning, so I had to break out my coffee earlier today than I normally would. But of course, we didn't want to have a show at 12 o'clock to 1.30 because our first game is at 12.30 today between the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. But of course, we're going to be previewing all of the shows for the early window of Week 12. And we only have an hour to do it because we're only here till 9 o'clock because there's a lot of content coming up for you guys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on WWSRN all throughout the day. Lots of Thanksgiving specials going on today. A lot of great content. So I suggest you guys all go ahead and check it out when you get the opportunity to be able to do so because we're going to have it all throughout the morning. So throw your turkey into the oven. We'll keep you entertained and keep you up to date on all of your football information This has been a big week so far, especially with coronavirus. Unfortunately, Thanksgiving is also going to be synonymous this year with the second outbreak of this pandemic, and it is hitting the NFL as hard as it's hitting everybody else out there. We just lost one of our games for the late-night window tonight, the Ravens and the Steelers. We're still going to preview that game a little bit, but it is going to be at the 1 o'clock hour, 1.15, I believe, on NBC. They're going to call it... I believe they're going to call it Sunday Night Football at 115 on NBC. So technically speaking, I think there's going to be two Sunday Night games or that's something how it's going to work out or whatever. It's all TV copyright deals. The point is it's pretty much a one o'clock window now for the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And really, this was the right move by the NFL. They might have done it for the wrong reasons. And what I mean by that is they only decided to push this game back because they were worried about the Ravens and how many players they had that were testing positive. And still, at this point, I don't believe are 100% sure they know exactly who has it yet because they're still getting players that are testing positive each day so far this week for the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was more about keeping it within team, trying to isolate within the team and stop the spread there, but also not risk spreading it to the Pittsburgh Steelers, being that they know that there's still probably some players who might test positive in the next upcoming days. So 
That's why they pushed it to Sunday. I think the right reason would have been off the bat. Not that that wasn't a right reason, but the right reason off the bat would have been, look, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be down to their second stringer, especially defensively and in the trenches. Nobody wants to watch that game. It was, such a, it was going to be such a competitive disadvantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or I should say for the Baltimore Ravens, underneath the Pittsburgh Steelers here because the Steelers are going to have a great advantage on their end. And that's why they should have done it in the first place. But either way, this thing's going to get pushed to Sunday. We'll get into what that means, what our fantasy expectations are for them moving forward. But first, I just, I just want to talk to you guys about the Houston game, Detroit game, the first Thanksgiving game. Of course, every year we have the Lions game for you guys, and it's it's always a doozy. It's always The Detroit Lions are always the team that everyone is the most thankful for. What I mean by that is on Thanksgiving Day... There's more people who will bet on the Detroit Lions. There's more people who will play players from the Detroit Lions offensive staff. I mean, it's really incredible when you think about it. And it's always because they seem to play just more competitively, or at least offensively, they'll play more competitively than they normally do in Thanksgiving. Now, this year, their team, I would say, is a little bit more competitive than some years past, at least. The good news here is that, of course, DeAndre Swift is going to be back out there, or at least that's our expectation as of right now. We may get that news as this show wanes on. But with DeAndre Swift being back out there, it should help them be able to move the chains. I don't think they'll get goosed the way that they got shut out against Carolina Panthers last Sunday. And going into this game, DeAndre Swift against Houston Texans, we all know what a great matchup it is. DeAndre Swift is somebody who, for me, is a top-end running back this week and gets inside, not just top and running back this week, but gets inside my top 10 this week. They're going to need him after watching Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson just flat out not be able to get the job done against the Carolina Panthers, which also on paper should have been a good matchup for the running back situation. And also taking in mind how DeAndre Swift has progressed now they've given him the bell cow role since the bye week. He's really taken it on. He has been a dynamic player for them, big help for them in the running game and the passing game. I expect him to have a big workload in this one if he has, in fact, cleared the concussion protocol. I expect DeAndre Swift to have a big game here. That's why I have him in the top 10. I think he can be an RB1 this week because it's the Houston Texans, because I expect him to be the bell cow after watching that abysmal performance from Adrian Peterson from Carrion Johnson a week ago, and because I expect the Detroit Lions offense in general to play a little bit better. Now, on the bad news side, though, Kenny Galladay, he's not going to play in this game. It's going to be at least another week. Uh, he did try to practice limited on Monday, but again, it was an estimation of practice, and it kind of followed the same suit as last week where he practiced a little bit at the beginning of the week, but then did not practice for the rest of the week after that. So whether Kenny Galladay is close or not, really, to be determined. And I would lean towards maybe not so close. Maybe he has a chance to suit up in week 13, but he could very easily be still a couple more weeks away. We'll have to see exactly how things go. Obviously, Detroit Lions want him back. Obviously, they think he is, in fact, week to week. Because if they didn't believe he was week to week, they would have put him on IR because he hasn't played a game since week 8. So he would have been off the three-week IR at this point. So clearly, there seems to be some hope with the Kenny Galladay camp, the Detroit Lions camp, or both that he can come back any given week as long as this thing's able to heal up. So I do believe Kenny Galladay will be back this season for those of you who are worried about that aspect of things as we're starting to get closer and closer towards the end now. I do believe he'll be back this season. Whether or not it's next week, though, I'm not so sure about because we still really have not seen him be able to do much in practice as of right now. As far as Matthew Stafford goes, where you know 
because he doesn't have a Kenny Galladay, I don't know how much I really want to stream Stafford this week. He is my QB 15 on the week. That has more to do with the fact that it's Houston, has more to do with the fact that this really could be a higher scoring game. Similar to what we saw between the Patriots and Houston on Sunday, because these are two teams that have terrible defenses and do have some talent on offense, a lot of times that can be the ingredients that goes into making a shootout type of ball game. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of scoring in this one, but Matthew Stafford without Kenny Galladay is still not somebody that I want to put into the top 12 or trust him as a QB1 in that instance. However, I do think he gets the job done enough for Marvin Jones. Now, Marvin Jones, to me, is actually a a must-play for me in this game. Number one, Marvin Jones always kills it on Thanksgiving. I think he like scores a lot of his touchdowns on Thanksgiving, basically. And he should be the number one wide receiver. It's the matchup against the Houston Texans. Again, I talked about how I expect this game to be maybe a little bit more high-scoring, low 30s, high 20s, somewhere in that area. I expect Marvin Jones to have a very good opportunity to score a touchdown, something he has been able to do. And I'll throw this in there. He has been playing much better over the past month. Where beginning of the season, we couldn't figure out what was going on. He was the number one wide receiver. He was getting the targets as such because Kenny Galladay was out for a lot of the time. And yet was seemingly unable to take advantage of it. Just something was not right. But whatever that is, he's played much better over the past month. And even when you look at the stat line and the box score from last week, you look at it kind of disappointingly. However, if you actually watch that game, and I go back and I watch all these games on Game Pass so I have a good idea of what to expect moving into the following week. And what I saw there was that, hey, you know what? Marvin Jones should have had a 50-yard touchdown it gets on a flea flicker. It gets called back to a holding penalty that was non-existent. By the way, he has a much better stat line last week if that play goes through like it should have. He looked good on that play. I expect him to be able to take some shots to him in this game. I expect him to have some opportunities for the end zone. Marvin Jones comes in as my wide receiver 17 this week, so I'm locking him in as a wide receiver too. I feel pretty good about that play against the Houston Texans. TJ Hawkinson, obviously, he's a must-play He's been pretty much a top five tight end for us almost every single week. He comes in at tight end four for us this week. Look, he's been, as far as the tight end landscape goes, he's been one of the more consistent options out there. They've been able to go to him pretty consistently. He is a touchdown threat. They've they've utilized him this season somewhat out of necessity because Kenny Galladay's been in and out of the lineup. And part of it is because he is starting to take that next step up in his development. You can see it in his route running. He's starting to know where to be on the field. So he's definitely taking a drastic step up, especially when it comes to the receiving game, than what we saw a season ago out of TJ Hawkinson. He continues to be a top five tight end for us in this one. And then when it comes to the Houston Texans, I feel like it should be pretty straightforward. Detroit Lions are a terrible defense. Obviously, you're going to fire up Watson. We have McQB7 on the week. You're going to fire up Will Fuller. We're going to fire up uh, Brandon Cooks. Actually, my little interesting note for you guys as far as that goes is that I have Will Fuller inside the top 10, and I got Brandon Cooks here at wide receiver 15 on the week. So two very high-end plays. No Randall Cobb in this game. Lots of targets for those two wide receivers. I even think Jordan Atkins could be a sleeper stream at the tight end position. He got involved last week against the New England Patriots. I believe it was five catches, 83 yards. There's a good chance he could get involved again this week. Not something that I want to ride home about. Not something that I'm eager to play. But if you're desperate out there looking for a tight end with a pulse and he's available to you, he is somebody that will get involved, especially when Houston throws the ball a ton. And I think they might throw the ball a ton. Now, on the flip side of that, there is one narrative here that we do have to talk about where people are going to feel some easiness. And heck, I think I even feel some easiness about this. And that's Duke Johnson. Now, on paper, 
you can't not play a bell cow running back, which is, believe it or not, is what Duke Johnson is right now, at least you know with his team's circumstances. He is their bell cow running back against this Detroit Lions team. You can't not play that player. And I'm not suggesting that you don't necessarily play Duke Johnson in this game. But what I am telling you is that I have him at RB21. He should be much higher than this. A guy who should be getting plus 16 touches total in this game against the Detroit Lions should be hovering around that top 12 position. And I have him at RB21, and you guys could all probably all guess why. If you've been a Duke Johnson owner, you know this too. While he's had the workload come to him, he's done absolutely nothing with it. And on top of it, you can't trust him to actually be involved in the passing game. Not because of him, not due to his fault, but whether it's Deshaun Watson or whether it's the offensive game plan, whatever it may be, however you want to break it down, the fact of the matter is that Duke Johnson does not get enough targets. His best skill set is the receiving game, and yet he seemingly is hardly ever involved in that aspect of the game. And as a result of that, you wind up in these situations where, guess what? You have a great matchup on paper. You have the work. Do you have the workload that you're looking for? And yet the player, the player is not getting you the production that you're looking for. But he has to be considered at least an RB2 in this match against the Detroit Lions. After this, if you don't even want to play Duke Johnson, even if David Johnson's still out, totally understandable. They have a tough schedule coming up after this. But this game, I feel like you have to play Duke Johnson against Detroit. Because if he goes off against Detroit and he's on your bench, you're going to kick yourself for sure. So we have an RB21, but with a little, you know, caution there being that he just has not been able to produce in this role so now we got off the first Thanksgiving game let's get into the second Thanksgiving game which is Washington and the Dallas Cowboys that game is going to be around 430 so be able to spread these games out at least at least the NFL will be able to get you through the afternoon not gonna be able to get you through the whole day like we originally wanted to but at least they'll be able to get you through the afternoon so you come in here you got Alex Smith he's not a streaming quarterback for us but he has been able to do what he needs to do which is get Terry McLaurin the football constantly all the time 24 7 and I'll say this, whether it was Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen, Alex Smith has actually been able to get the football to Terry McLaurin more in stride, more accurately. And while that in and of itself may not be overly surprising, given what Alex Smith we know he can do, although we were all a little bit leery about what he could do coming off the injury, it's that... Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen are supposed to be able to push the ball down the field a little bit more and help out Terry McLaurin and use his big play ability. Well, that wasn't happening anyway. And because Alex Smith is actually hitting Terry McLaurin in stride right now, you're seeing him be as consistent as they come over and over and over again every single week. Now you're going up against the Dallas Cowboys, which after the last matchup last Thursday with the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals, they were able to uh, rise up in the rankings a little bit, the Seattle secondary, that is. So now Dallas is by far the worst secondary in the NFL. Terry McLaurin, believe this or not, and I had to do a double take on it, but you know what? I feel confident about it with the way he's been playing, with the matchup that he has, being that it's going to be a Thanksgiving special today. Terry McLaurin is my number one wide receiver. Not just a wide receiver one, but my number one wide receiver on the Week His target share has been great. He has the play to make big plays, or the, the ability to make big plays, I should say. And against Dallas here, I think you can see a back-and-forth divisional game matchup where Terry McLaurin gets 10 catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. I got him as wide receiver one on the week, but that goal goes to say, obviously, Terry McLaurin. Very excited if you have him in your lineups today. 
J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Where do you go from here? Now, Antonio Gibson, I think at this point, has played himself in an RB2. They're giving him the goal line work. They're giving a lot of carries. Even if it's a little frustrating how much work McKissick is getting in the receiving game and that with Gibson, uh, with Gibson you want him to be as involved. You would like him to be the bell cow guy because he has the skill set to do it, at least as far as the receiving game goes. I mean, I don't think J.D. McKissick is a better pass catcher than Antonio Gibson. I do think, though, with his veteran presence, he is a little bit better of a pass blocker, and that may be the end result at the end of the day, why he's playing a little bit ahead of Antonio Gibson, or why I should say they're using him as the lead pass catching back rather than Gibson in that role. As long, I talked about this before. As long as Alex Smith is the starting quarterback, J.D. McKissick is somebody, especially when you're talking about half-point and full-point PPR leagues, is a solid flex play because the targets are going to be there. Now, I know they are a little bit down last week, but also remember the game script of that game. Washington was able to dominate. Joe Burrow went down. Cincinnati wasn't able to threaten them at all offensively. And as a result of that, they were able to just keep handing the ball off to Antonio Gibson. They didn't need to utilize J.D. McKissick. I expect this game to be a little bit more of a back-and-forth game. Dallas had played competently against the Pittsburgh Steelers, went on by, got the win 31-28 against the Minnesota Vikings last week. They're playing a little bit better. They're playing like they're not quitting. Like Earlier in the year, it looked like they had completely quit. I don't know what happened in that locker room, but they have at least felt it in themselves that they're starting to try again, at least on defense. And as a result of that, that's why they were able to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Andy Dalton looked a little bit better, was able to get the ball out to his weapons at least. The big key for Dallas is that Zach Martin came back. And because Zach Martin came back, all of a sudden, Ezekiel Elliott has running has running holes. Play-action pass is there for Andy Dalton. He actually has some time when he drops back to throw. It's amazing what you can do with a decent offensive line. And that's just from one guy. One guy of their normal starting five coming back into this lineup and the impact that he has made as a result of that. Look, with... That all going on, that means I believe J.D. McKissick, which is what this was originally about, and we'll talk about Dallas more in depth in in a second here, J.D. McKissick will be very involved. J.D. McKissick will get at least seven targets, I believe, in this ballgame, making him a flex play in half-point and full-point PPR leagues. While at the same time, Antonio Gibson having a great match on paper, there's no reason why he shouldn't have a great opportunity to score again in this game, why he shouldn't be efficient on the ground, and why he comes in as my RB11 this week. I expect him to be heavily utilized. He's taking the next step up. You can see it in this development. He's seeing the holes before they happen. He's starting to gain that vision. He's starting to explode a little bit more through those holes. And that's why they're starting to trust him more and more and more with the carry load. Antonio Gibson, and he's a big playmaking guy against the Dallas Cowboys today, a top running back play. You have to lock him into your lineups for sure. And I believe you can still play McKissick as well. 
outside of that, I'm not playing out anything else on Washington. So we'll actually get into Dallas now. And I talked about it, like I said, with Zach Martin, he opens up everything. Now, not that you were benching Ezekiel Elliott or anything like that, but Ezekiel Elliott, I think, can now be trusted to maintain his RB1 value that you at least need him to have. Is it still going to be top five? Maybe, maybe not. And last week was a step in the right direction. He finally went over 100 yards for unbelievably the first time of the year. I know he's had a bad year, but I don't think I really realized that that was the first game in 2020 that Ezekiel Elliott went over 100 yards rushing. I, I That one got to me. I was like, I don't think I really fully realized that after, after hearing about it. And that was a step in the right direction. He was also involved in the passing game. I believe he had about five targets in that game. So as long as those things start to happen where he has 21 carries and he's getting five targets and Zach Martin's back, so he's getting some rushing lanes and he's able to find the hole and he's getting back to rushing for 100 yards, you get your RB1 back, which at this point I think anybody who has Ezekiel Elliott will just take because that's been the big issue right now is that you don't even know if Ezekiel Elliott is truly going to be an RB1 anymore. And he will be now moving forward at least. The question will be, can he get back up to top five status? That part, I don't know. We still have to see if Dallas can maintain uh, this mid-level. I don't want to say high level because their high level was Dak. But they had a high level. They had a low level. Now they're at a a mid-level type of play. Can they maintain this mid-level play with Andy Dalton there at center? If they are, then I believe he can actually work his way around that top five running back situation just in time for your playoffs if you've been able to be in that situation with uh, Zeke Elliott not playing as well as you needed him to, like you drafted him to be. And then that brings us to the wide receivers. You're starting Amari Cooper. He still doesn't have that high-end wide receiver two floor that he seemed to have every single week with Dak Prescott. But at least last week, you got to see him get involved. He was the leading receiver for the team. Andy Dalton's still looking for him. And you saw last week that even with it not maybe having the ceiling that he would normally have because of his role within this offense, and it's a high-volume role. The guy just has a good floor every single week. So you can play Amari Cooper. I have him at wide receiver 22, so I have him as a lower-end wide receiver 2. If he happens to find the end zone, which I think has been kind of my, my big question, is Amari Cooper's always been a pretty good red zone guy, yet they don't really seem to target him there too often. If he can actually find the end zone, he'll give you that high-end wide receiver 2 performance, maybe even a low-end wide receiver 1 performance. But based on his volume and Washington, which I don't believe is as good of a matchup as they show on paper, if you actually attack this defense, if you actually attack this secondary, which I I believe the Dallas Cowboys should be able to do, because again, if Zika Elliott's running again, play action should be there, and that'll open up this entire passing attack. Amari Cooper should be a good play this one. CeeDee Lamb of course, is the only other wide receiver that we're going to talk about. Because Michael Gallup still can't be a starter for you. He's still the odd man out, especially with Andy Dalton out there. You're, you're done with Michael Gallup at this point. There's no floor there. But with C.D. Lamb, he's been getting a little bit more involved again. They've been going back to him in the slot. They've been trying to get him involved in some end arounds. I just like the fact that they were trying to get him the ball. So he is a wide receiver three for me this week. He is a flex play. He doesn't quite have the floor of Amari Cooper because he's not guaranteed that target share as much as Cooper is. But I would say he has a bigger ceiling because when they take those shot plays, they're taking them to C.D. Lamb. So he comes in at wide receiver three. You can play him as a flex. I think that's the big storyline is that you're finally back to you can have some confidence in playing the Dallas Cowboy fantasy relevant players that you've needed to play so far this season. And that was getting a little bit shaky as where that was really going to continue to be the case. So now let's talk about the game that's technically going to be our first one o'clock game now, but was supposed to be our Thursday night game was supposed to be the big matchup of the week, really, frankly, between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
like I said, breaking that all down, a lot's still up in the air when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. We're still finding out new players uh, as of yesterday. We'll find out if there's any new players today that test positive for COVID. So there's still a lot of things in flux when it comes to Baltimore. From a fantasy perspective, here's what you need to know. Mark Ingram is out. J.K. Dobbins is out. Gus Edwards is in position to get at least 20 carries in this game. At least 20 carries in this game. So Gus Edwards, even though it's not a great matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers on paper, I believe is a must-play this week. Now, remember, he had a decent game against them back, I believe it was week eight when they faced each other off, and that was Mark Ingram was out of that game. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were able to split the carries. I believe Gus Edwards had 16 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown, and that was splitting the carries with J.K. Dobbins against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he's getting all the carries, so that's why I say he's guaranteed to get 20 carries in this game, a minimum, against the Steelers. He has a great chance to score as a result of that. Volume will be the name of the game for Edwards. I don't expect it to be flashy. I don't expect it to be great or anything like that. But Gus Edwards is a solid RB2 who has a very good shot to get in the end zone here. I fully expect him to get at least 80 yards and then possibly a touchdown to kind of reflect that stat line. But a decent chance with the extra volume that he could see if he's able to find somewhat of similar success that they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers that he would be able to get maybe to that 100-yard mark. I think that's all within the possibility. Even though on paper it's a bad matchup, consider the Baltimore Ravens. They're usually a more effective team running the football because of Lamar Jackson. Even this year, while it's been brutal as a team, they've still been an effective running team, and they already have had some success against this Pittsburgh Steelers team on top of it. That's what I'm banking on heading into this one. That's why I feel good about this. And finding a running back that you know is going to get 20-plus carries in the game, as we all know, is incredibly difficult to find right now. I think Gus Edwards is a must-play at your RB2 spot and definitely a high-end flex play if you were able to pick him up off the waiver wire. Outside of that, I'm playing Mark Andrews, and I guess you have to play uh, Lamar Jackson too, but listen to that sentence. I guess you have to play Lamar Jackson because I'm not excited to play him against the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. Not only has he looked really not – the entire offense has been out of sync. We've talked about that numerous times on this show throughout the entire year. The Steel- He did not play very well against the Steelers the first time around. And now you have Lamar Jackson coming into a situation where he's not going to have a lot of his weapons. He's not going to have Ingram. He's not going to have J.K. Dobbins. He has to be able to throw the football. He's playing a little bit frustrated right now. Last week, that interception at the end of the game where he just kind of heaved it up there, that to me signified a complete and utter frustration throw. I mean, 100% without a doubt, he was he had to be frustrated by that. He has not thrown the ball well. In fact, getting him to throw the ball over 200 yards has been a bit of a chore this season. And I don't know why that would change against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're playing Lamar Jackson because you know he'll run. With the other two running backs out, he might run a little bit more in this game than he has in some of the games past. You know he's good for at least 50, 60 yards. You know he can score a touchdown. You're playing him for his rushing capability because I don't know what you're going to get in the passing game. I think you're hoping for a passing touchdown, and that's about it. That's why Lamar Jackson's not in my top 12 of quarterbacks. Now, if you have him, you're not going to drop Lamar Jackson to pick up a quarterback off the waiver wire. That's why I say if if you're in a situation where you have Lamar Jackson as your starter, I guess you have to play him because of that. But... If you have a choice, if you if you picked up another quarterback along the way because you've been frustrated by the way Lamar Jackson has played and you've been rostering two quarterbacks, 
Well, I'm here to tell you, you probably have a better option because I don't have him as a must-play in that sense this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, being what we've seen at this passing attack for the Baltimore Ravens so far this season. In fact, the only pass catcher that I'm going to play this week is going to be Mark Andrews. Now, he comes in. He's a top 10 tight end. He always has, or top 12 tight end, excuse me. He always has the ability to score a touchdown. They've One thing I have noticed over the past couple of weeks, they've made a concerted effort to start getting Mark Andrews the ball again. I believe he had seven receptions last week. That bodes well. Now, it's a brutal match against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they've been great against the tight end position. But somebody is going to have to catch the ball. And I think we all know that somebody at this point is not going to be Marquise Brown. He had a zero last week. I told you guys that you can go ahead and drop Marquise Brown. Absolutely no doubt about it. No questions whatsoever. You can drop Marquise Brown and not have to lose a wink of sleep at night. I know his ability is great. I still believe in the player 100%. But his offense and way they're playing right now, the way Greg Roman's calling plays, the way Lamar Jackson throwing the football, you just can't play Lamar. You can't play Marquise Brown in your lineups. And if you can't play a player at this point in the season in your lineups, then you don't need to own that player at this point in the season in the lineups. Because again, we're two regular season games away in fantasy football until we're back to be, about to be in the playoffs. There's no reason to hold on to guys that, frankly, have not produced for you all season long at this point. So now we get into some more of our Sunday matchups. We got the Raiders. We got the Atlanta Falcons. Raiders firing it. They actually played pretty well. I mean, offensively, they played great against the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Josh Jacobs, you're firing him up. Now, I know on paper there's going to be a little caveat here when it comes to Josh Jacobs that, you know what, the Atlanta Falcons have actually been pretty solid against the running back all season long, uh, oddly enough. And I don't, I'm pretty sure that will probably continue here as well. So, look, when it comes to... Josh Jacobs, obviously you're playing him. You're playing him as an RB1. There's absolutely no question about that. He's been a low-end RB1 all season long. He gets he gets the work. He gets the touchdowns. You don't have to worry about that aspect of it. The volume will be there, and he has a good chance to score in this one. But it may not be his most efficient day. He may not have very good odds to get you 80, 100 yards in this game. It might be more of a 60-yard performance, and maybe he falls into the end zone. It might be a Todd Gurley stat line. Because that's how good the Atlanta Falcons, frankly, have been. And I went back to look at these stats because I thought for sure, as I was examining some of this when when I'm going through my rankings and my algorithms and my projections and everything like that, that I was like, maybe it's just a situation where because you can throw the ball on Atlanta so easily that no one's bothering to run the football. That's not really the case. People are trying to use the running backs out of the backfield. They're trying to run the football. And Atlanta's actually been very effective in that area. Now, would I be surprised if Jacobs is hauled off and got 100 yards and a touchdown? No, I wouldn't be shocked by that in this game. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility for this matchup. But I do have to say that his ceiling is going to be a little bit limited in this match against the Atlanta Falcons, surprisingly enough. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I talked about Nelson Aguilar uh, in my show on Tuesday when I was talking about the waiver wire report specifically for this game because he's been the most consistent wide receiver 
for the Raiders so far. And he's been the guy they've been taking shots to. It hasn't been Henry Ruggs. It hasn't been Brian Edwards. Hunter Renfro still operates a little bit in the middle, but it's mostly been Nelson Aguilar getting shots to down the field. He's been the one getting the majority of the targets. And because this is the Atlanta Falcons... I think you could take a shot on a Nelson Aguilar. If you're looking for a wide receiver, if you're looking for some pop, looking for a home run threat, I think Nelson Aguilar goes into that range this week against the Atlanta Falcons with the way they've been utilizing and playing him so far this season. Now, there's still a low floor because they've had plenty of games where Darren Waller gets to eat all the targets pretty much, and Nelson Aguilar walks away with like four or five targets and not much of a stat line if he didn't get that big deep threat. But that opportunity should be there this week for Nelson Aguilar, I actually have him as a top-end wide receiver three heading into the week against the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, with Darren Waller, he's a top-ten tight end play. No question there. The most consistent pass catcher for the Raiders should have a good game in this one, just like he did from the Kansas City a week ago. Now we move on to the Atlanta Falcons, and this is where we get back into the whole Julio Jones dilemma. Goes down with a hamstring injury last week. If Julio does not play, even though this game is in Atlanta and against the Raiders, which is a great matchup. I don't know if you can be that comfortable playing Matt Ryan if Julio does not play. Because we've seen this already this season. We've seen them at home. We've seen them in great matchups. Julio doesn't play. This entire offense falls apart. And in that situation, the only person who I feel safe about playing would be Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley coming in as a high-end RB2 for us this week, mostly because I fully expect him to get back into the end zone against the Raiders. And because it's the Raiders, this is one of the few matchups this year where you could possibly see Todd Gurley be a little bit more efficient in the ground game. I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to get four yards a carry. I wouldn't be surprised if he got more than 16 carries this game. So it matches up where Gurley might give you one of his better rushing outputs and not be as touchdown dependent as he normally is in any given week. But again, I expect him to be able score especially if Julio's out the only person I believe they're going to turn to when they get down into the red zone is going to be Todd Gurley so that's why I have him as a high-end RB2 uh, frankly now here's the good news Julio Jones was able to be listed as a limited participant in practice yesterday now from what I understand he didn't do a heck of a lot but just the fact that he was able to be out there on the field and do enough to be considered limited at practice is a big sign because after watching that game last week I thought to myself, there was absolutely no way that Julio Jones was going to be able to come back and play this week. In fact, I didn't even rank Julio Jones uh, on Tuesday, because I usually do these rankings Tuesday night for the first wave of rankings, and I update them throughout the week. I didn't even rank Julio Jones initially because I was so convinced that he was not going to be able to play. Him being able to practice in a limited capacity not only opens up that door, but he's already done more than I expected him to. I, I thought there was no way he could practice on a Wednesday. And I thought, frankly, even if he did play on Sunday, that there was a decent chance that he would go the entire week without practicing at all. So him practicing in a limited capacity on Wednesday is a, is a big deal. And it goes a long way to maybe giving you some hope that Julio could, in fact, be out there against the Raiders. Not only does that give you hope because Julio is a wide receiver, one, even on one hamstring because it's the Raiders on top of it. But two, you get to play Matt Ryan. He'll, he would immediately catapult back into my top 12 quarterback range, immediately catapult into a, a guy that you can play as a QB1 against the Raiders in this matchup and have a pretty decent ceiling. Even if Julio Jones is out there as a decoy when it comes to Matt Ryan, 
that offense will still be able to function closer to capacity, and Matt Ryan will still be able to have a good game against the Raiders, I believe. So all Julio Jones has to do for Matt Ryan's sake is be on the field. Now, for Julio Jones owners, you want him to be a little bit more than that, and that's where watching him in the practice report and getting that, you know, that limited practice there is really, really big for what he might be able to do. Uh, Hayden Hurst comes in. He's a top 10 tight end for us this week. He's been pretty consistent. If Julio plays, I like him a lot too. Again, it goes back to Julio. If Julio doesn't play, then I don't really like anybody not named Todd Gurley, not named Calvin Ridley, who of course is also a must play in this one. We got to move through these games a little bit because like I said, we have a lot of games to get to. We don't have any buys this week. That was the big that was the big thing because of the schedule changes from earlier in the season when they had to postpone some games. We didn't have we don't have any bye weeks this week, so we got a full slate of early window games to get through. So now we move into our next matchup after the Raiders and the Atlanta Falcons, and we get into the Chargers and the Buffalo Bills. The Chargers going on the road to the East Coast. I think it's pretty simplified here what you're going to be doing. Obviously, Justin Herbert on fire. You're playing him as a top-five quarterback. I believe we have him this week. We have him at QB3 on the week. You're playing Keenan Allen, obviously, and you have to play Hunter Henry, who's luckily been able to find the end zone the past couple of weeks and has been getting targeted more and more in the red zone. Now, Austin Eckler was able to return to practice on a limited capacity yesterday. The feeling, though, right now is that we're not really expecting Eckler to actually play this week. Uh, We think there's a decent chance he comes back next week. It's good to see him out there on the practice field. This does not seem to be the week that Austin Eckler goes out there and plays. So if he doesn't, and we don't really have him ranked as doing as such right now, Kalen Balazs would be an RB2 against the Buffalo Bills, who have not been the same defense that you would expect him to be, frankly. So And he's been getting the workload when he's been in there over the past couple of weeks now. He's kind of established himself as the bell cow until Austin Eckler comes back. So Kalen Balazs can be fired up as an RB2. I think the only real question is, what do you do with Mike Williams? Now, he did get targeted a decent amount. He's been targeted a little bit more consistently over the past month or so. The big play's kind of been there. I do believe against Buffalo, more than just Keenan Allen's going to have to get involved in this game. I have Mike Williams as a lower-end wide receiver three, meaning he could be a possible flex play in this one. But if you're playing him, though, you're playing him for the big play. You're playing him for the touchdown. Of course, you flip it over to the Buffalo side of the ball. They're coming off the bye here. Josh Allen... Obviously, must play. Uh, Stephon Diggs, he's a wide receiver one for us, probably moving forward. And then you get into the running backs. (laughs) If you have to play one, it's Zach Moss. If If you have to play one, hopefully you have a better option. And you don't have to play either one of these guys. Because I would not want to have to play a Zach Moss. I would not want to have to play a Devin Singletary in this game at all. I wouldn't want to have to do that. So... Like I said, if you have to play one, Zach Moss, he comes in at RB3 for us this week. RB30 could be exact on the week. We have Devin Singletary a little bit lower than that. He has been trending towards the path of taking over for Devin Singletary, and we have seen a bit of a trend this season in particular where teams have gone on by, they come out of the by, and they utilize their rookie running back coming out of the by. They make a, a plan to use that there's a chance here that Zach Moss could benefit from that line of thinking. We've seen a pattern of that so far this season. So if Buffalo comes out and decides 
out of the bye week that they're going to move forward, not just with Zach Moss as a starter, but move forward with him at being actually to utilize this guy, then I believe Zach Moss is somebody that will be a flex play possibly. John Brown, John Brown did not practice in this game. Uh, did not practice yesterday, excuse me. Uh, but that's nothing to be concerned about because John Brown not practicing on Wednesdays has been a pretty common thread. I know people are a little bit more concerned because of the bye week. I frankly am not. So we got to go to a quick break right here. When we come back on the other side, we got to run through a slew of games before we wrap up the show at 9 o'clock today. So everybody just stay tuned right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, on this Thanksgiving Day special show early in the morning to get you all up to date for your fantasy football matchup previews. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We went through some of the games so far for the early window, but now we have 20 minutes to get through a ton of 1 o'clock afternoon games on Sunday. So let's go ahead and streamline through that. We don't have a mailbag segment today, if you, if you couldn't figure that out, because we just have a lot of content we have to get to. We will have a mailbag segment tomorrow's show when we have the Thanksgiving day recaps and we'll have the late matchup previews for week 12 like we normally do and of course you can always get on the mailbag segment when we have one at at belly up mdff show on twitter and on facebook and you should be following us all throughout your holiday weekend on twitter because we give you those free player news update notifications we'll give you to them throughout the day today we'll give it to you throughout the weekend of course as well and make sure you're checking out bellyupfantasysports.com for our rankings which will be updated throughout the week in our live right now so let's jump into the Giants and the Cincinnati Bengals we get in here look I know some people want to make a, a, a you know a, a caveat an argument that Duke uh, Daniel Jones should be a streamable quarterback this week and I do have him hovering around that top 12 position not because of anything I believe he's going to be able to do passing wise even though this is a great match against Cincinnati Bengals but because they've been using him more and more in a read option situation he's been using his legs quite a bit lately and has been giving him a floor now I much there's a lot of other quarterbacks that I'd much rather play that I have more confidence in in their floor more confidence in their ceiling but against Cincinnati Bengals if you're looking for a streaming quarterback, I think Daniel Jones could be on your radar. Now, my caveat to that would be because nobody is on bye and there aren't a lot of quarterbacks hurt. I know Joe Burrow's hurt now, but there aren't a lot of quarterbacks that you're really depending on that are hurt right at the moment. I don't know if you're really in a situation this week where you're looking for a streamer necessarily either, but just like a little caveat there. Wayne Gallman, he's a low-end RB2 this week. I believe he'll be utilized. First of all, he's been finding the end zone pretty consistently as a starting running back. And on top of it, with them playing against Cincinnati Bengals, who are going to have Brandon Allen at the starting quarterback position, and the Giants defense has been playing much better as of late, and they're coming off the bye week, I question exactly what Cincinnati's going to be able to do offensively to them. I believe the Giants should actually be in a situation where they could possibly control this game, at least in the second half, and Wayne Gallman might be able to see an extra workload as a result of that. Will Alfred Morris still be involved to some degree? Yeah, probably, but not enough for me to move off of Wayne Gallman as an RB2 who has a high chance to score against Cincinnati Bengals this week. And then Sterling Shepard, he does come in. He's a low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 in a good match against the Cincinnati Bengals here. He is the Giants wide receiver one in this one. We have him at wide receiver 28 on the week. 
He's been the guy who's consistently gotten the targets. Now, whether it's been Darius Slayton or Golden Tate getting the other set of targets has been a little bit of a mix-and-match situation when they're both healthy and out there on the field. But the one guy you've been able to count on to get seven-plus targets in any any given matchup has been Sterling Shepard. So you can play him as a wide receiver three. I think you can play Darius Slayton as a low-end flex with a potential boom opportunity here against Cincinnati Bengals as a big play threat. Had a decent game right before the bye he really should be their wide receiver one, or at the very least, it shouldn't be a contest as far as who's getting the targets between Darius Slayton and Golden Tate. Uh, but this is a game where he could be a big play threat. So if you're looking for a home run guy, Darius Slayton is in a good situation to be that for you. But he still has that low floor because the target share has not consistently been there for him. Evan Ingram is just outside of our top 12 tight ends for the week, but he has been consistently getting involved. Cincinnati Bengals are dreadful against the tight ends. While he has not been able to really produce much off of his actual target share, Evan Ingram is somebody that I do believe you can play as a borderline tight end one this particular week. On the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball, look, with no Joe Burrow, nobody knows what this offense is truly going to look like. And we'll add another thing on top of that, which is Giovanni Bernard gets put on the injury report late yesterday with a concussion, meaning there's very little chance he's going to play this week. Samaji Perrine, does he become an RB3 Probably due to the workload that he would expect to see. All the workload would be going his way. Maybe Travion Williams gets involved in the passing game. But Samaja Perrine has been somebody who's already been getting involved on the goal line and some carries over the past few weeks anyway. I would expect him to be the lead back. Again, maybe he's an RB3. I'm not going to love playing him, though, because he's this guy with not a lot of talent. And his offense might not be very good. And that leads back to Boyd and Higgins, which is the big question. I don't believe you can play Higgins this week. You have to see what Brandon Allen will do. Now, I, I, I will say this. I think Brandon Allen offers T. Higgins a better chance than Ryan Finley did because we did see Brandon Allen get the ball to Cortland Sutton pretty consistently last year. However, this is still a situation where I would rather take a step back and not have to play anybody on Cincinnati and see how this offense is actually going to function without Joe Burrow. The only person that I'll take the chance on is Tyler Boyd, who I have at wide receiver 27, because we can expect him to have the majority of the targets against a good matchup here against the New York Giants, who cannot cover the slot receiver uh, very well. So that's where we would go with that. Moving into our next game right away, we got the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts. The Titans, the big thing I want to get into is A.J. Brown because it seems like nobody besides me took note of the fact that in overtime on that last pass play that was sent towards A.J. Brown's way, he came down on his knee pretty hard. Now, he didn't twist it. I don't think it's ligament damage or anything like that, but A.J. Brown's been dealing with the knee bone bruise pretty much all season long. He looked like he came right down on top of it. I think he aggravated it. He was not able to practice on Wednesday We're really going to have to watch A.J. Brown very, very closely throughout the week to determine if he's going to play. Remember, his pattern has been practice full on Wednesday, be off Thursday, practice full Friday. Well, this time he was not able to practice on a Wednesday. So now I think A.J. Brown truly is a question mark heading into the rest of the week. Keep your eyes on that. We'll keep you up to date on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. If he plays, I believe you got to play him. Even against the Colts this matchup, I know he didn't have a good game against them the first time around, but remember, he should have had a 70-yard touchdown that he dropped Something that's been kind of bet- nagging him lately for some reason, but Brown is too good of a player to not have out there. He just takes one play for him. He is a wide receiver, too, for us this week. Janu Smith actually hovers around the top 12 area. Not a great matchup, but he's been getting targeted again over the past few weeks. He's been getting utilized again. It was like they forgot about him. Now they're going back to him a little bit. I think he has just as good a chance to score as any of those tight ends that are falling in that 
tight end 10 to tight end 18 range, frankly, who are all pretty much the same guy uh, at this point in the season. Corey Davis, he had, a, he, I believe he goosed, I think, I believe last time against the Indianapolis Colts. Or he didn't have a good game against them the, the first time around. Corey Davis is somebody that I think this week, because there's nobody on by, I'm not going to want to play him because he's nearly a floor play. You're trying to get eight points. You're trying to, well, not eight points, but you're trying to get, you know, maybe low end double digit points out of six catches, 60 to 70 yards. I'm not going to roll that dice against Indianapolis Colts in a week where there's no buys. I should have better options. I should have more of a ceiling plays this week. The only person I'm really confident in playing, as you could tell, would be Derrick Henry, which is a no-brainer there. But Ryan Tannehill, I'm not looking to stream him this week. A.J. Brown would be the only other player that I really want to play. Janu Smith, if I have him, he hovers around that top 12 tight end play uh, position. Flip it over to the Colts side of the ball. Pittman, again, because there's no buys, I don't think there's a reason to have to play Pittman this week. He comes well outside the wide receiver four territory for me. I think the only question here is Taylor. From a fantasy perspective, there's, I mean... There's no other player on the Colts, even though this is a good match against the Tennessee Titans, that I'm going to feel great about playing because we know, one, Phillip Rivers is banged up. He didn't practice yesterday with a toe injury, although he's expected to play on Sunday. We don't know where these targets are going to go any given week. Uh, they can mix it up and match, and they just rotate everything so much, and that goes to the running back situation. Now, finally, Jonathan Taylor got back to getting over 20 carries last week against the Green Bay Packers. I would like to say that it gives me the confidence that they will now just turn to Jonathan Taylor the rest of the way. However, we've seen the Colts do that and then turn around and go back to Jordan Wilkins or turn around and go back to Naeem Hines. I think you have to play Taylor as an RB2 this week because it's a good matchup on paper. Titans don't have the Javion Clowney. He is coming off a week where he had 20 carries. But you do so knowing that there is a low floor that comes with Jonathan Taylor and that there's still a real chance that they will go back to Wilkins, they'll go back to Naeem Hines, and Taylor will go back down to 12 carries again this week. It's just as likely. that was Last week was not the game, was not the breakout game that solidifies Taylor for the rest of the season. Moving along into the Carolina Panthers and the Minnesota Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater is going to play this week. Probably not Christian McCaffrey, even though he was practicing the limited. They still say he is doubtful on the week. You're playing DJ Moore as a wide receiver, too. You're playing Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver, too. You're playing Curtis Samuel as a flex play. If Teddy Bridgewater comes back against Minnesota in this plus matchup and they still got another week of Mike Davis, I love all three of these wide receivers in your lineups. They all have big play potential. They all have high floors because all three of them are getting all the targets, basically, and they've been all able to eat together as a result to that. And I think Bridgewater... You know, him of itself, I would like to say he's a streaming option because of that knee. I think you have better options that you can go to, but as long as he's out there, I trust what the passing game is going to be. Flip it over to the Minnesota side of the ball. We got to talk about Adam Thielen a little bit here. We still have not gotten clarification as far as what was his tie breaking test? He had one positive, he had one negative. We kept waiting to hear what did he test negative again? If he tested negative again, then they could say that it was a false positive test the first time around, and then he would be eligible to play in week 12. However, if he tests positive again, he will not be eligible to play in week 12 as soon as he'll be able to come back as week 13. And I thought we'd hear something on Wednesday, but I heard absolutely nothing out of anybody. We got no details out of Mike Zimmer. So pretty much to be determined, we'll keep you up to date on Adam Thielen uh, throughout the week. Now, Justin Jefferson's situation where I think you play him as a wide receiver two or at least a high-end wide receiver three, whether Thielen plays or not in this game against Carolina Panthers with the, way, with the way he's played as of late. However, I will say he has a much higher floor if Adam Thielen winds up being out because all the targets would be forced towards Justin Jefferson's way. Oddly enough, I think that would lower his ceiling. 
uh, because defenses will actually key more on him. But I do believe the floor will be there because the targets will be there. And, of course, you're playing Dalvin Cook. I'm not streaming Kirk Cousins this week. We move on to the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots here in this one. Kyler Murray... He's going to be good to go. That's the good news there. They said the shoulder is not going to keep him out, so you continue to play him as a quarterback one. Kenyon Drake is a good matchup here against New England Patriots. New England Patriots right now is a defense. They're just a team that you can just attack. If you have fantasy players going against the Patriots, it's a plus matchup in your mind. So you can go Kenyon Drake. You can go, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins will be a wide receiver one. He's out with a non-COVID-related illness in practice, but he's expected to be fine for that Thursday game. I think the question is, do you play Christian Kirk? And I have him as a wide receiver three. He's played well. He's been a little hit or miss as of late, a little bit more lately. But Christian Kirk, overall, he's been predominantly the second wide receiver for this team. And I believe he'll continue to be so. He has a good matchup here. Stephon Gilmore will be on DeAndre Hopkins. So I think there's a real chance that Kirk could have one of his big play games get into the end zone in this one. So I do believe Kirk is a guy that you can take a home run shot with and has a pretty decent floor at that because he's been seeing a good amount of targets as a second receiver to DeAndre Hopkins. So you're good to play Christian Kirk there. On the other side of the ball, we had the Patriots here. Uh, you know, With Cam Newton involved, I do have him as a top 10 quarterback this week. Other than a couple of games, he really has been a top 12 quarterback pretty much all season long. Arizona's defense isn't great. I believe this could be similar to what we saw with Houston. They're not as bad as Houston, of course, but he has some receivers now that he definitely has a confidence with when it comes to Jacoby Myers. Of course, Demir Bird had the big game last week, but then he has Nikhil Harry, who he had showed some rapport with earlier on in the season. I think all that mixes into Cam Newton at least giving you a decent floor when it comes to the passing game and, of course, you know to lean on his rushing uh, when it comes to the end zone, he didn't even run the ball that much last week, but still put in a good fantasy performance because they were able to throw the ball so well, uh, really probably better than any other point except for the Seattle game of this season. I expect him to run a little, have to run the ball a little bit more against the Arizona Cardinals here. He's always a threat to score a rushing touchdown. He comes in as a top 10 quarterback for us. Jacoby Myers is a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. I know he didn't get the volume last week. I know a lot of people were excited to play him because it was Houston and got burned because it wound up being Demir Bird. Jacoby Myers is still, to me, the number one wide receiver of the New England Patriots. More times than not, I expect that volume to be there. The slot corner of the Arizona Cardinals is really how you attack that defense if you really want to, or Kirkpatrick on the other side. Other than that, Damian Harris, what do you do there? Sony Michelle is coming back. I don't know if Sony Michelle comes back and plays this week or not. We'll have to watch throughout the week with the practice report. I do believe either way, Damian Harris will be the lead ball carrier. But if Sony Michelle is back and active, there's going to be a low floor that comes with Damian Harris because who knows what that rotation will be. I will say the running back who I actually feel the most confident about playing if I have to play a Patriots running back right now is James White. Because with Rex Burkhead out for the rest of the season, James White is now looking at a high floor of targets. I believe the rest of the way he'll be utilized. He'll be back to being his James White self where he's getting between six and eight targets every single week at least. I expect that to be the case in this game where they're going to have to put up points against the Arizona Cardinals. So the one running back that I feel confident about when it comes to New England Patriots is in fact James White. We move on here to the Jets and the Dolphins game. Tua is expected to be back. He had a thumb injury that kept him limited, I believe, yesterday, but they're not expected to keep him out for the game. He is the starter over Ryan Fitzpatrick. They announced that pretty much right away. Tua actually comes in in that streaming territory. If you're looking to stream a quarterback because, well, 
it's the New York Jets. And maybe the benching from last week lights a fire under under him, and he'll let it fly a little bit to Devontae Parker and to Mike Kosicki and actually get those guys more involved down the field than what he's been able to do. As a result, though, I believe Devontae Parker, while he is a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three play because it's the New York Jets, and while he gets the majority of the targets of the team, since two has taken over, he's really highly been a touchdown-dependent type of wide receiver. And that's what makes me not feel so good about his floor heading into this matchup, even though it's a great one. But because of that benching, because of the way I think Tua might play, because it is the Jets, I think you can play Devontae Parker with some confidence. He should have a decent shot at the end zone, too. Mike Isicki comes in that streaming tight end territory as well. You kind of like the matchup here. He still should be the second targeted guy for the most part. But again, he hasn't really been anything special at all this season. There is a low floor with no buys. There should be better options for you out there. Uh, Savant Ahmed did not practice yesterday, but we do expect him to be the lead back. We do expect him to still be able to go. We'll have to watch the practice report, though. If he doesn't go, it'll probably be Matt Breida, because from what we understand, even though Miles Gaskin would return to practice and designated from IR, we don't believe that this is supposed to be the week that they are going to turn back to Miles Gaskin and play him and activate him. So if Ahmed practices this week, you're going to be able to fire up Ahmed as an RB3, high in RB3, low in RB2 this week against the New York Jets. And moving to the Jets side of things, the only real news here is that Sam Darnold's practicing. He's expected to play. If that winds up being the case, then James Crowder is a wide receiver too. Bashad Perriman goes back to being fantasy irrelevant because Sam Darnold's not going to push the ball down the field, especially with a shoulder injury, especially his first game back. Expect Jamison Crowder to get back to what he was maybe closer to the beginning of the year, at least as far as targets go, if Sam Darnold's going to be back in the lineup, which is looking more and more like the situation. So Crowder can be a play there. And then our last but not least game would be the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, if you have these two guys, I have them both, both ranked as RB1s this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. How could you not? This entire offense revolves around them. If they don't have to throw the football, the Cleveland Browns won't throw the football. And this is a game where I don't think they'll have to throw the football. So you're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb. You're going to see a lot of Kareem Hunt. Like I said, I have them both inside the top 10. Both are elite RB1 plays. I believe I have Nick Chubb at RB2 right now. So I really have him up there right there with Dalvin Cook as far as elite running back plays on the week with the way he's been playing, with the way I've been giving him the ball, and just given this matchup. You know that these guys are going to have great games and then you flip it over to the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the ball, and you like James Robinson. We know Mike Glenn's going to be the starting quarterback. What that's going to mean for the wide receivers is anybody's guess. I asked this question to social media earlier in the week, and it was, you know, what's the difference between Mike Glennon and Jake Luton at this point? They're both tall quarterbacks who throw a deep ball, are both inaccurate, and at least in Jake Luton's case, he's a little bit more mobile. We've seen Mike Glennon already a million times before, and the whole reason why he's been a backup a backup backup, actually, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, because when Minshew went down, they turned to the rookie instead first. Hmm. I don't know what the difference is there. I also don't know if it greatly affects the wide receiver position. I don't know if it really moves DJ Chark up or down as far as him being a wide receiver three. If DJ Chark, if they actually decide to target him more, and maybe that'll be the case. Maybe with Mike Glennon, Jake Luton was doing a little bit more than Minshew was. Maybe Mike Glennon will take it a step further and really lock into his number one wide receiver, his truly talented wide receiver. LaVisca Chenault may be back in this game, but I expect DJ Chark to be the number one guy. It only takes one play with him. Denzel Ward is out, so he'll have a little bit of an easier matchup against this Cleveland secondary. 
But we've seen the song and dance with the Jaguars. They're just so inept offensively that anybody not named James Robinson is really subject to a low floor quite possibly. But I do believe DJ Chark can still be played as a wide receiver three in this matchup. That wraps it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We had a lot to get through in an hour flat. We'll be back to our normal hour tomorrow, 12 to one thirty, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. A lot of great more content for you guys coming up right after this. Everybody stay tuned and have a wonderful, happy Thanksgiving. Take care. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 